I am Kim Crawl. I am reporting to you not live from my or outside of my closet. Oh man, sometimes it still slips in there, huh? Hi everyone. Hi. Um, I am. I don't know. I'm having a really good day. I'm like, am I having some kind of manic episode? I'm feeling really. It's great. I feel great, and um, it makes me happy because it came from you know big turnaround. This whole car thing was really sinking my like mental health and now and today I drove it for the first time outside of just driving it to and from the dealership. I've been really scared to drive it and I know that that will I'll get used to it. I ha- this is like okay, this is the biggest car I've ever had. Well, I've had in 20 years. The first two cars I had were bigger than anyone's cars should ever be but um and I've told you all the stories of the origins of my car and I look back on that now and I'm like was that boring did I just tell them about every vehicle I ever owned um but I wrote I drove it to get a parking permit today so she can park in a nicer place outside of my place in Hollywood um and also I went to the grocery store and I am afraid to parallel park her I I used to parallel park my Mercury Sable like a fucking champion. Like, I remember I went to Arizona. I was dating this, like, weird guy in Arizona. Um, He has a chapter in my book. I've talked about him a ton. Uh, And I, him and his friends came out here not to visit me, but I got got to see him because I think that was the last time. Yeah, we didn't date anymore after this. He broke up with me um, and called me desperate. I talk about him a lot in my book. Anyway, so I we pulled up to a place in my Mercury Sable, which he was very judgy about. And and people don't judge, don't date people who are judgy about your vehicle. It's a car. I have a car. Fuck off. Right. So I um, I pull I like parallel parked in like the tightest spot ever with this massive car. And his friend was like, that is the most impressive parallel parking job I've ever seen and when I tell you I'm still kind of riding that high like I use that as like a rite of passage but I so I like know how to parallel park a big car I just haven't done it in 20 years and now I'm like oh my god I have no idea and this backup camera thing I think it's supposed to make it easier but it, it, it it's it's you know when you're doing one thing I feel like an uh, I feel like a boomer dad that's like I'm not changing I'm gonna use my head instead of the camera um but I will figure it out. I, I think I might just go to like a quiet neighborhood and just practice somewhere. Uh, but I drove it to the grocery store today. And um, it's just much, it's, it's, I'm, I'm just so excited. It's, it's so exciting. And then also, so I'm going to San Antonio next week, right, for work. And a bunch of like, so, you know, a lot of our job is online. So like a lot of the people I interact with, I've never met before. Um, specifically the woman who books all of our travel, does all our payroll. I love this woman. I love her. Like I like I think I might borderline creep her out sometimes because I'll like write posts about how much I love her in Slack. Um, not like really creepy like there was a week where we were supposed to pick someone in the company that we really appreciated and I picked her and I think I, and then I looked at everyone else's and I was like oh I wrote four paragraphs and everyone wrote like three sentences I fucking love this woman so I, that's why I didn't want to bother so like the my company social a bunch of them they're all the like higher ups and stuff and all the you know all the bureaucracy side I don't even know what it's they all are coming out here from all over the country for like their LA retreat and all the LA employees are going to go have dinner with them um, when I was supposed to be on a plane. And I, my immediate boss, he and I were on a Slack meeting a couple of days ago. I told you about this last week when he was like, oh, you're great. Uh, and he was like, oh, I get to see you in a week. And I was like, no, I'm going to be on a plane. And he was like, fuck. And I'm like, I know. And then even in the meeting, he's like, I don't get to meet Kim. Or I don't get to see. We already met. But he's like, I don't get to see Kim because she's working for the company. So anyway, so today the woman that I absolutely love who does all our travel, she just messaged me. and I, So I love her. And I was going to be like, is there any way I can get an earlier flight out of Texas so I can make it at least to a little bit of the social? Because, you know, those things always run over late anyway. And 
And I was like, but she has, you know, she does all of this work for this company. And like, she does the job. Like, let me just put it this way. This broad went on maternity leave and it took three people to do her job. So she's like, she's just really busy. And so I was like, I don't really want to bother her. Um, I just won't go. I'm sure there will be other socials. Like my boss, my immediate boss will be coming out later this year. I'll go to hang out with him then. You know what I mean? I was like, I don't want to be a bother. And then just now before I hit record, she slacks me and goes, hey, you put maybe to the social. And I was like, oh, yeah, I meant to say decline. I'll be on a plane. And I was like, I was kind of thinking about seeing if it's possible to switch the flight around because I would love to come. And it's really close to the airport I'm flying in. And she was like, oh, I'll check right now because I'm going to be there. And selfishly, I really want to meet you. And I was like, oh, my God. I don't know. So it's been a, those two, those few things. I drove my new car today and it was not 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 scary um I talked to my cousin that I I'm really close to but I haven't been able to connect with for a long time we had a great conversation and then now I'm you know just it's a good banner of a day a banner of a day my uh my I I my friend that passed away in August of last or two years ago the one that I'm pretty vague about that was somebody I loved very much he used to say banner of a day and I didn't know what that meant he was always like ah it's a banner of a day and I was like that makes no sense you made that up not a real thing and I'm although I'm not convinced he didn't make it up even though the internet tells me otherwise when I use banner of a day uh I think of him so it's been a banner of a day and I it's only noon oh I guess it's two I don't I don't know what's happening uh hi so as I've been telling you all, I've been, oh, and then one more thing. So about my car, I'm this car thing, like I didn't like, I, one, I didn't know how great I would feel after the whole thing was done. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm still terrified, but it's, it's good terrified. Uh, to be fair, I'm always a little nervous. I'm always a little nervous. Uh, I'm like the Hulk. Like, you know how his secret is that he's always a little angry? Well, my secret is I'm always a little anxious. Um, what was I even going to say? Oh, so, uh, no, I really don't remember. I'm very excited. The car thing. Oh, so my friend who came with me to the dealership and took me to the dealership, who's just like one of those people that you're like, man, everyone should have, uh, Abby in their life. She is on oh, like sinking down in the video that I never put up, which I will goal this year is to get on top of my, um, YouTube channel. Uh, Abby, someone who everyone should have in their life, a friend like her. Uh, so I told her about how I named the car Buffy the Road Slayer and how it was Buffy the Road, Buffy the Road Slayer Part 2, our number two. And later the night that I got the car, after I recorded Crawl Space, she texts me and she's like, have you driven, have you driven Buffy 2.0? And I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's even better. Like full name. So my last car's full name was 10, wait, what was it? Blue 10 Faith Rio. I already forgot. That's terrible. No, I didn't. That's what it was. It was very, it was a mouthful, but we called her Faith. And this one, her full name will be Buffy the Road Slayer, but for short, we will call her Buffy 2.0, which is so rad. Um, so as you guys, so I, I wanted to read this thing. So as you all know, I'm dabbling in the marijuana cannabis. I don't, I feel like when I say any of it, I sound like a cop or a nerd, like when I'm dabbling in the cannabis. Uh, so I've been dabbling in it, like maybe helping me go to sleep. Um, the one I've been trying has been giving me a headache when I wake up. So I have to try some other stuff. I will when I get back from Texas. I leave for Texas in like two days for a couple of days, which is I'm going to San Antonio. And last time I was there, it was like kind of a really pretty little city. Like there's like a river boat tour. There's a bunch of re restaurants on this river. It's really fun. I can't wait. I have a whole full free day or I'm taking a flight to Houston TBD um, for a day. I don't know. I'll let you all know. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter, but I, um, so when I come back, I'm going to work. I got some of your suggestions about what to do, like what kind of cannabis to help me sleep instead of the Benadryl. Um, Benadryl, man, though, I don't know. It doesn't really make me that groggy, but maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I am groggy and I don't even know it. And I just think in the morning, everyone's groggy. Who knows? Um, so last night I took, I had an edible, but it wasn't like the go to sleep edible. I just had an edible and I, I, I wrote a joke and I don't know if it's funny, but, and it's not a joke. So I talk about this a lot, how my dad used to like roast me for not knowing things that it was like literally his job to know. And I was thinking about this. So, you know, he used to be like, this one doesn't even know how to boil water. And I would be like, I think that that's more of a dig to you, man. Like, I feel like like there is like one person who is supposed to teach me how to do something like that. And you're literally that person. 
It's weird you're making fun of me. You should be looking at yourself. It's not like we had a boiling water day and then I forgot how to do it. Like, you didn't teach me how to do stuff. Um, but he used to always say this. He'd be like, this one, and I, I want to f- somehow figure out. I, I don't know. I don't even know if this is that funny because I wrote it down and I woke up and I forgot about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, you did write that down because it was... Okay, so he used to roast me too. He's like, this one doesn't even know the value of a dollar. Once again, the guy is the one who's supposed to teach me that. But I really wish I would have said, like, you know, those shower conversations you're ha- you have with other people, like after the fact where you're like, man, I should have said this. I should have said, this one's filed for bankruptcy three times. Um, I don't know if that's that funny, but I'm going to work with it. I'm, I'm, I feel like the creative juices are starting to run or flow, flow. And I'm excited about it because I haven't been able to get on a stage in a while because of my whole car fiasco. My last show was in Santa Monica and I live in Hollywood. So it's just like probably like a minimum hour drive uh, both ways, like both ways, like minimum 45 minutes if there's no traffic. It's pretty far. And it my my Rio, it died a little bit once on the way there. So I just haven't wanted to drive anywhere to tell jokes because every time I do, my little Rio dies. So I I now I'm like, I'm starting to like get the creative juices flowing and I'm starting to kind of write again. And I don't even know if that's that funny, but I feel like there's something there. I got to come up with a third thing that that dude used to roast me for. I can't remember, but I'm sure it'll come to me. I feel like I'm having some kind of manic episode. I'm so fucking excited. Um... And I'm not, obviously, obviously I'm not. But I feel like I'm like, oh my God, I could run around the 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 block 17 times. I'm so so pumped. Um, but I like I told you, like right before my car broke down for her final time, we're gonna we're we're waiting to see if the final ride will be to go drop her off to retire her to the state of California. I cried yesterday. I took her to get a smog check. Um, oh my God, this shout out to this dude. So my friend sent me to a smog check uh, in Los Angeles where I live. Um, and it was like, I've, you know, I've had smog checks many, many times. This one was ran by one guy in North Hollywood. He had like a full blown, like, like COVID bodysuit on. It might've been the fumes for all the cars that are in his garage. There might've been a million things, but he had this whole thing and everything was very sanitary. He was very nice. And I felt kind of bad because I was like, oh, if Mike, he has a policy that he's like, if your car doesn't pass the smog test, you don't pay me. And he's like, all I ask is if once you get your car fixed, you bring your car back here and use me for your smog check. And I was like, dude, I will come to you for my life and I will also leave you a review because he was so nice. Um, At first, I thought my car did pass because I was looking at his computer and everything said pass. And I was like, how is this motherfucking car going to pass a smog test when it can't even really drive far? Um, But it, it failed. And I was like, oh, my God, I feel. And he's like, don't worry. I felt kind of weird going in there knowing that there was a big possibility that it was going to fail and that I wasn't going to have to pay him. But or and I will be using him for life. And that's what he said. He goes, I just for ethical reasons, which I fucking loved. He's like, for ethical reasons, I just want to make sure everyone knows I'm not biased. Like, I want you to know that I I don't have, I'm not going to fix your car. I will send, I will give you the information that you need to give to your mechanic, but like, I won't fix your car. So I don't have anything in it for me. If you don't pass, you know, he was lovely. And so on the way home, I was like five miles, please make it five miles. And I am, I just, I grew up in that car. I loved that car. And I, you know, we get to make new memories in Buffy 2.0. But I'm excited to be able to finally drive around and not be afraid. I have a new set of anxiety while I drive. Uh, and it's just new car anxiety. But that's that's part of the deal. Um, what a fucking day, you know. Uh, I, I told this when I was a kid. This is some weird Kim Crawl kid stories that came up recently with my my dear friend. Um, you so you know how I don't know if you all had this, but like our school would have us like sell shit, and I know that like Girl Scout cookies, but we would like like walk through the neighborhood on door to door and try to sell like lollipops. And if you sold the most lollipops, you got a CD player. Like my first CD player, you know that it was like a catalog of a bunch of dumb shit. Like, you know, like a like a peeler that you could also core an apple with, you know, just like a bunch of household stuff that never I bought. I bought uh, I'm thinking of the peeler that could core an apple. I bought that from my boss at Big Wang's kid like 15 years ago and it never worked. But it was like 
this kid needs to reach his goal of this in order to get some arbitrary prize. And so I had to sell a certain amount of something in order to get my first CD player, right? It was the 90s. Uh, And it's just so odd now. Like, I don't know if that still happens now because it's like, the 90s were just a very different time. You just, my dad was like, good luck, go out side and knock on people's doors and that is normal and fine and I love that whole comparison now where they talk about how like boomers are like it's rude you don't answer your phone when I call and millennials and gen x and probably gen z like the younger generations too but millennials and gen x which I'm convinced is the best generation that's existed thus far um maybe because I'm a part of it and all the people I really love and respect are part of it as well um I like a lot of gen zers don't get me wrong but they don't uh, as a whole they don't really tip so I don't I don't not as a whole, but like a chunk of them don't like way more than the other, like way bigger of a percentage than the other generations. So I think that's where I'm holding on. Um, otherwise, I love Gen Z. But like, like, I don't like the 90s were such a weird like you just walked you they sent you outside and you just oh, yeah, the boomers. So the boomers are like, I think it's rude. You don't answer the phone when we call when I call you and like our generation is like no it's kind of rude that you're like intruding on someone and expecting them to drop everything just to talk to you that's what text message or email is for now and if it's important enough I'll call you back you know what I mean like and so we like the generation that was like yeah go ahead and knock on people's door show up unexpected I would never show up anywhere unexpected even like family like that's just it just feels intrusive right so we would do that all the time and like so okay so you guys know i peed my pants like way too long right like way into uh uh you know not adulthood but like high school like my my two friends my three friends and i the three of us uh would laugh to the point of wetting our pants a lot of a lot of times i'm i'm not not proud of it like i think it's really funny but when like years later when we were adults i met both of their husbands and before i met their husbands they both were like hey I don't remember their husband's names, but like, cause I'm not really in touch with them anymore. But like, they're like, Hey, uh, don't tell my husband about us peeing our pants till we were like 15. Like, why would I open with that? I'm 30. You know what I mean? But like, it's so like, I don't know. I'm not, not proud of it, but I'm not, you know, like whatever. We were laughing really hard. We were all kind of immature and I've met people who've laughed too hard and peed their pants a lot in my life. And I'm grateful that I had two friends that were doing the same thing as me. And I didn't have to share that all alone in isolation, right? My college roommate, she used to laugh to the point of peeing her pants way later, right? And, and she's like, man, I'm so jealous that you had people to like, camaraderie with you know that you could be like oh good we're all peeing our pants and we're not alone anyway so I had to sell lollipops and I don't know if it was for Girl Scouts or or cheerleading or some other bullshit thing I was a part of not that Girl Scouts or cheerleading is that but I cannot remember what it's for because I don't think I was in high school and I certainly don't think I was in elementary I think I was in junior high like the sweet spot and I definitely wasn't in elementary school so it wasn't Girl Scouts but I mean, I really hope this didn't happen when I was a cheerleader in high school, but who knows? Uh, So I had to sell these lollipops, these like suckers, right? And we had to sell a certain amount. God, I wish I remembered what we were selling those things for. And I go to my my best friend and I'm like, hey, will you walk around the neighborhood with me and knock on doors and sell these suckers? And she goes, yeah. And I go, and you know, I was a weird kid. So I was like, well, I want to not... I want to not sell them in the way that everybody else is probably selling them. Like, I don't want to knock up and be like, hi, my name is Kim and I'm a part of the, you know, the National Geographic Society or whatever I was in that was having me sell these lollipops. But I was like, I would like to put them in an empty briefcase, which was actually like, what is that? There's a briefcase game that my dad had it had like little checkers but it wasn't checkers badminton that's not it badminton's a physical game I think I don't know but I emptied out that with all the game pieces and it just looked like a really nice briefcase so we we dressed up like we were um you know going to the office which whatever that looked like for 13 year olds who knows I'm gonna say 13 because I think that was around that so we dressed up and whatever we thought like people wore to a professional setting, I think we put on like fake glasses and then we walked to the first house and the plan was to knock on the door and then rip off our glasses and start singing a song that we had made up. And I don't remember the song, but in the at the time, most of the songs I made up 
started with a banana. They say it's your birthday. But instead of they say it's your birthday, I would make up a song to that. And I couldn't sing, as you can just see right now. But we would knock on the door. The person would answer the door. And then we'd rip off our glasses. And we'd be like, banana-na-na-na-na. And then we would sing whatever lollipop song, which I wish for the life of me I could remember. Cause so fucking weird. We never got to do it. And I'll tell you why in a second. So first door, we knock on the door. And the woman comes. And then we can't stop laughing I mean we're laughing like we 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 have dresses on we sit down on this stranger's porch laughing to tears and then we pee our pants both of us on this woman's porch so like pee like I mean pee our pants like we're laughing so hard pee is coming out from under our dresses on the so the 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 the, the Payment is getting progressively wetter because we're peeing our pants. And then I don't remember which one of us turned around and just threw our laughter and tears that, would you like to buy a lollipop? And this woman who is probably a little younger than me now was like, looked at us and then looked down at our wet, you know, dresses and was like, no, thank you. And then she slowly shut the door. And then as soon as the door was shut, we grabbed our dresses full of our pee. Like we grabbed them in a bundle and then ran back to my house. And we were like, well, we probably we probably can't sell the suckers that way if we're, we're going to be laughing that hard. And I don't even know if we ever went back out and tried to sell them again. But I do know that one day in the early 90s, my best friend and I, we peed our pants on some lady's porch while we were singing about lollipops. And then another time. My other best friend from like earlier in life, like we like we were like best friends from third grade. I'm pretty certain this this girl hated me because every chance she got, she made a new friend and became my enemy. And then she ended up being my friend again. But like throughout our childhood, anybody who wanted to be her friend besides me, she's like, great. Want to ditch Kim Crawl? I'm pretty. And she blocked me on Facebook. Uh, she's one of the she's the one I did the um, earlier episodes called. uh naked checkers I was I think that was one of the first ones that I got really vulnerable in because I was really sad you know she was she was um but now looking back after I've done a bunch of work and looking through all my life you know I'm like man I really think that she might have just had no other options and then when other options came because she was also super fucking weird and she had a super fucking weird household too so like I don't I don't know but one afternoon we're sitting around and we're like we gotta figure out how to make some money so we're like I was like, we should, and I had just gotten a dog, so I figured, I, you know, I learned that, like, people have to pick up after their dog, the dog poop in the backyard, and, like, nobody wants to do that, so um, ooh, I have a lot of dreams about that, actually, about how my, ba- like, I go back to my childhood home, and the whole backyard is just filled with poop, and I had just let it go for so long that I just stopped cleaning it up, and my poor dog, there's probably some psychological thing, is, like, roaming through her own poop and I it's like too much poop for me to go out there and clean it's like way too late I just remembered I have those um I've had that reoccurring dream I'm sure there's something psychological there too but like I just learned that like people had to clean up after their dog like I like I and I was like ah people hate doing that I hate doing that we should make and this is so funny because I forgot about this until someone reminded me of the lollipops the other day and then I was like I did a lot of weird things where I knocked on strangers doors and was like hey can I come in uh and so I I it's so funny we made it it was called the poop scooper and I love that because I have the poop scoop now and we were we made little flyers and we went door to door and asked people if we could pick up the poop in their backyard. And it wasn't a very good business plan because it was like, we'll pick up the poop in your backyard for $10, which means each of us got $5, but we only had one shovel. And some people didn't clean up after their dog. And I think we only did one, but I, I think we were there a long time. And it was like, oh, we probably had a, and then we just, it fell by the, but I found that flyer like, I don't know, a decade ago. So I'm sure it's somewhere in my apartment, but it's just so funny, like. I guess that I don't know if kids do that shit now. I don't know if like because the 90s like kids were kidnapped and abducted, you know, but like, did we just not have the news to like be like, hey, maybe don't knock on strangers doors and listen and, and try and go into their homes and clean up their poop or was like the 90s a different time? I don't know, but I'm glad I got to do it because it was very funny. Um, I bought a taser. I think I spent the whole last episode just talking about my new car. Um, so I bought a taser 
for when I was going on the subway and stuff. I didn't get to use it, which I know shouldn't bum me out as much as it does. But I it's 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 like a flashlight and a taser all in one, which is kind of rad because that equals I can carry it into places and they may not know it's uh, more than a flashlight. And I, by places, I don't mean like I'm going to go to like SoFi Stadium during a Bronco game or anything like that. I just mean like... I used to carry pepper spray into the festivals I work. And if I left the festival and accidentally kept my pepper spray in my purse, which I would take with me if I left the festival, they would not let me back in. I'd have to either put it in my car or they'd confiscate it. So it looks like a flashlight. So I'm like, oh, maybe, I mean, you know. So I was at a, my work meeting, um, the work meeting a couple of weeks ago. Did I already tell you guys this? I really need to go through the files. I try to delete it after I talk about it on the thing. Um, but I, that, so I went, I took the bus, uh, that work meeting I went to with that guy that I have kind of a crush on. I took the bus and I got there and I was talking, or the train, and I was talking to these girls about, you know, I think I need to, you know, brass knuckles or I need to get something to like, and they were like, this is the taser we use. We fucking love it. And they're like, and then it spiraled into a conversation about what we are taught as women or it was like a think tank of what we all do to stay safe at night from men. <laughs> like, and it was like, and the guy I have a crush on is like super sensitive, super go women feminist. And he's sitting there and you know what he did, which was so wonderful that I don't see a lot in the wild. He just shut the fuck up and let the women talk about their experiences. There are so many times you're with a dude and we're all like, yeah, this happens to us. And the man's like, well, I have some stuff I need to say about it. And it's like, well, why? What do you need to say about it? Except for tell your friends to stop, you know, whatever. Like, but this guy who I have a crush on just sat there and listened to us. And at the end was just like something of the fact of like, that's tough, ladies. I, you know, like very sensitive. Like, I hate that you guys have to go through this. But one woman goes, Honestly, that the flat because it's attached to a flashlight. She goes, honestly, the flashlight on the taser has saved me more than the taser. She's like, you just like, like we. Re She's like, you just have to flash the flashlight into the man's eyes, and they usually run away from that. And then we all concluded that men are, we are taught how to get away from men the way we are taught how to get away from a bear <laughs> like act bigger than you are shine something bright in them like like act dominant act not scared like all that like and and then you know of course we're taught to like act be you know be too much trouble do something crazy I remember in seventh grade we had a self-defense teacher that told us to if like all else fails get on the ground and just start eating grass and like that just means, or like poop your pants, like do something that makes you not an easy target. How nuts is that? It was just such a like, but I got on the train the day after my, my taser came and this guy gets on the train and he like looks at me and then he double looks and then gives that look. Yeah, I did talk about this, didn't I? I wanted to like clack, clack, clack that thing up in the air. Um, so last week I told you I would bring up this story again. I did write that down. Um, I, uh, so I was thinking today, I was like, God, I was thinking about the first time I was ever called funny. Cause I was like, I did talk about that the uh, for last week. And I was like, was it my mother the first? Cause I did, I did have a cousin, um, who I loved making laugh. I loved making her laugh. And her laugh was one of my favorite things. Like even as adults, um, I'm no longer in contact with her, but, um, even as adults making her laugh like brought up old memories of being and my granddad my mom's dad was not a very big emoter like he didn't emoter like he didn't emote often like he had like kind of he's just an old farmer who was just really quiet and like he didn't say a, you know he was the one that when I would always tell him I loved him and he would just go uh-huh and my mom one day was like honey Granddad doesn't say it back, so you don't you don't need to keep saying it to him because he doesn't say it back. And I was a kid, and I was like, oh, it's okay. I'll probably just keep telling him I love him because I do love him, and I want him to know. And then when my grandma died, his wife, uh, I told him I loved him, and he told me he loved me back. And I was a really – but he didn't emote a lot. Like, not a lot – like, not a lot made him – you know, I, I, I've made my point, but – he would laugh so hard at me. And like, so they, like there were people that like, I knew I must be funny, but I never like consciously went, I'm funny. I just knew I enjoyed making, uh, you know, people laugh. But my mom was like, 
probably the first person to call me funny. And of course, my mom would. My mom was a person that would say things like, "You're funny." Well, I'm really funny, so of course you're funny. Um, I remember once in high school, I was like, "Mom, a lot of the girls I know have moms that are like in competition with them, or you know, you watch TV and the mom is like in competition with their daughter, and you don't really do that." Now, as an adult, I look back and we didn't really have that kind of you know we didn't really have a traditional anyway mother-daughter relationship so there wouldn't have been really a chance for her to you know do anything like that but it was she said she goes well honey and it was funny because she was a funny lady I'm talking about her in the past tense and that's a weird thing to do I, I I don't know her anymore but she was so funny and I was like yeah mom you're never in competition with me and she goes well honey where do you think you got it all from? <laughs> like, I was like, that's true. She was very pretty. She was very pretty, very funny. But she, I think, was the first person to ever call me funny. And then the actor that I told you guys about last week, and I don't remember why I told you about him, but I know I consciously didn't tell you the story. Um, I feel like I'm flying high, man. I'm like, I'm having a great day. And I feel like I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to sleep like a baby tonight because I am wired. Um Hopefully I sleep like a baby tonight. Sometimes that just goes right into the night. Uh, but it, the night is like, the night is hours from now. So the the first like stranger or not my mom told, telling me I was funny. Or I guess I guess the, the Cutco people told me I was funny. Oh yeah, that's why. I, the Cutco people told me I was funny. The people in that little, that little town. I used to write before the, we used to have a weekly Cutco meeting too. And uh the meeting was like, and I don't, no one, I just started doing this and then it became a thing that like, that's how the meeting would start. And I don't even know why I would do this. Like the meeting room, we would have, the meeting was at like, say like seven or something like that, right? And all the sales rep would sit down and then at the front of the room would be the managers. And I would get there a little bit early because I had a crush on that boss that I ended up dating. And I would get there early and then I would... I would just walk into the room and a lot of the people were already in there too. Like everyone got their, it was kind of, you know, we were young and it wasn't a real job. So we all liked it. So we, I, um, and I would walk up to the front and I would sit on the table in the front where the boss would stand behind during the meeting. And I would just sit on the table and I would just talk to the people and make them laugh. And it became a thing that was like Kim go, like it was like going and warm them up and no one ever said it, but it was like, yeah, we got to do that before we start the meeting. And so like I had cues that I was funny or entertaining, but no one had ever actually, all the Larkspur people, they were like, we hear you're funny. But like, so I was working at this phone room, and I've talked about this phone room a lot. It was the one um, that Pee Wee from Porky's was the boss. A lot of has-beens and wannabes. Weird, weird place that I hear stopped existing a few years ago. I know stopped existing a few years ago, but not that long ago compared to how long that place like was around. Um, and I, uh, uh-oh, <coughs> uh-oh I, I, I got really excited. My throat's kind of dry. <laughs> I've been kind of yelling because um, of all the excitement. So I, uh, I used to, so I used to sit next to this guy and I was, I was 21, 22. And this guy was, it's just, like, life is so like, I thought about this story and I looked up that guy and I was like, I wonder where he is. And he hasn't been on TV in a long time. And I really hope he's well. And you know, those people that come in and out of your life. And like this guy abruptly left my life and, and it was around the time that I, I started finding Al-Anon and or I found Al-Anon and started, you know, implementing boundaries. Um, but this guy was in his 40s and I was 20 and he had a kid that was like 10 or something. And that's why he was in the phone room because he's like before my kid, when I was just acting in between jobs, I would collect unemployment and then I would get another job. And, you know, like and he's like, but now I have a kid. So I my overhead's a little bit higher. Right. So we used to sit next to each other in. On, in this phone room and we would laugh and have a really good time um and he used to joke he's like it's embarrassing that my best friend is a 22 year old girl who's like a frat boy because I you know and he and I would get hammered together like just absolutely and now I look back and I'm like oh my god it'd be like me now hanging out with a 22 year old boy and getting as fucked up as he did right And like even a lot of times he would this guy would get way more fucked up than I did so at the time, I thought it was kind of cool. And, and he was also this actor. And he taught me a lot about the business. And he was like, you know, he was one of those guys that like, I'm not going to I'm not saying his name purposefully because he is has been in the limelight. And I and I'm, you know, the story of our friendship to not demise doesn't make him totally look great. Um, but 
but he, you know, he was, he taught me so much about the industry and he, you know, he was like, you know, it's, this town is weird because the highs are really high and the lows are really low. And he's like, there's been, there was, there was a week where I was standing on the side of the road with a, in a with, on a construction site holding a slow stop sign. And then a few days later, I was in People Magazine with fucking Anthony Hopkins. He's like, this town is a ride. And like, now that I've been here as long as I have, like, that is so true. Um, you know, I know that a lot of family and a lot of family of artists don't really understand this. Like my buddy says that every time his parents ask how much he makes doing comedy, he just says $1,000. He's <laughs> like $1,000. Because if you tell him there's a lot of stuff you got to do for free for a really long time, and that's why we all have eight jobs, the normal mind is like, well, why don't you just get a regular job and have a kid and go to college and all this stuff that we're taught as a society. But like the the people that do this industry, it's like, yeah, that's not, I, I don't, I would never be able to do that. I tried doing that in my early 20s. I hated it. But like, it's, it's, but he like, I didn't understand exactly what he meant until now. Like, I've talked to my family members about that. I'm like, you know, I know you don't understand like the like nine jobs I have and and, you know, you know, sometimes the highs are high and the lows are low. Sometimes I'm working a crappy bartending job that I really hate. But I also have people who I call my idols who have told me they're my, I, I'm their peer. You know, I've been to the Super Bowl. Like, it's a scary life, but I didn't grasp what he was trying to tell me. And one day we were sitting in, um, he said one time we were at, uh, he told, already told me the story the day after we went out, out on the town and drank way too much. Um, Man, that guy would drive everywhere too. Like I got picked up by my my roommate that night, and uh, he just drove home. Um, but we walked out. Like I left early, and then he said, as he was walking out, he was puking out. This is so gross. Sorry, puking out the side of his mouth, walking out the door, and he hears the bouncer go like recognize him. He goes, "Holy shit, that's the guy from." And I'm not again. I'm being keeping this as anonymous as I can. But he's like, "Holy!" And he goes, "As I'm doing that, I'm puking. I'm so embarrassed being recognized." And I look back and I think that that guy probably absolutely had some addiction issues absolutely um but you know he was my my buddy and he was we were sitting on the row is what we called it we we compared this job to prison we had you know the row uh we had crews it was a we called uh the guy from peewees or the guy from porkies the warden it was a whole thing so one day we're sitting on the row and this actor who's become you know my dear friend who's 20 years older than me he goes, I don't do this a lot, ever, actually. Because he was in that, in that room, he was one of the few people that were like, uh, not, I mean, there were people in there that were consistent working actors, but, he, uh, you know, a handful of people who were consistent working actors, and he was one of them. And he, so, like, he was like, I don't, I don't, um, I don't, I don't, I'm thinking about another woman that used to work in there. Her name's Dale Dickey. And this bitch has been in everything. Look her up. Like she, and she too wouldn't really talk. She was so kind and so cool, but never really talked about her, her successes in businesses. And I've tried to find her on social media and stuff. I saw her. She lives in my neighborhood. So random. I was going on a walk like a couple months ago and I saw her walking and I was with my friend. And I'm like, I know her, but it's been 20 years and I don't know if she'll remember me because I was 20 and I, you know, I hung out with like three people, but she there. So it was like a handful of people in this room who were consistently booking that one of the girls was in one of the outtakes topless. And I, uh, the bird, the uh, Steve Carell, the Virgin movie. I don't know. So it was a room full of people. Like it was wannabes and has like people who'd been, you know, you know, who'd been in, blockbusters like Porky's you know and then people who were like I'm a consistent working actor and I, it was so he didn't talk to people those people didn't really talk too much about the industry because you know I I get it now like you meet like I meet someone who's like I want to be a comedian and I literally turn around and walk away I'm like I don't want to I don't want to do that and I don't mean I like I will once I get to know like this girl I work with she goes a bartender who's a comedian uh she goes oh god I was working next to this guy and he said um he said, uh, I want to be a comedian. She's like, after I told him I was a comedian. And then he started to run his jokes on me. And it was awful. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't do that. I was like, one, I don't tell a lot of people, like, up front, I'm a comedian. It just brings up a bunch of questions. It's always like, tell me a joke. Like, it's just, like, it's just whatever, right? I don't really do it often. But I was like, oh, God, in that scenario, if he would have said, I want to be a comedian, I would have gone to the bathroom. I would have literally walked away. And she's quiet for a minute. And she goes, 
you did that to me. And I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. She goes, I told you I was a comedian and you went great and you walked away. And I was like, absolutely. Um, Cause I, yeah, I get it. Like I get why that guy didn't talk to a lot of people about it, but he is the reason I'm a stand-up comedian. So he one day, he goes, I don't do this a lot. And I know you want to be an actress and I, that's great. But he goes, you are by far one of the most talented, funny people I've ever met. Like he's like, you are so fucking funny. And no one had, like no one that I trusted and no one in the industry and no one, like a handful of people had told me I was funny at this point, right? Even though I had a gas by myself and I still do. And now I know I'm funny, right? But at this point, no one had told me. I had no idea. It was like being smart. I thought I was also an idiot, right? Because a lot of people told me I was an idiot. And so I are weird. That was, I never thought funny. I was just always told I was fucking weird, you know? And he was like, you are so funny. And he's like, I never do this, but I'm going to give you some advice. He's like, I think you need to get in an improv class or something. He's like, UCB, he was a Chicago guy. So he, UCB, I guess second city Chicago, but he, he was like, UCB is really big and a big deal and looks great on resumes. And he's like, it's expensive, but I think you need to get yourself in a class. And I was like, you know, I, 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 I don't think I acted on that. In, I don't think I acted on that until I, I started waitressing at Big Wang's. So, like, I didn't hear him for, like, three more years. And, I, yeah, and he, he was – and so I, I, got, I got into classes at UCB, um, and that's where I started doing comedy. Like, I'm terrible at improv. I am I – am, and I'm not being, like, mean to myself – we all have our we all have our limits and we all play our part. And I there's something about the quote game you have to play in the improv. I'm not a yes ander. Uh, I just I'm not, like I will yes and if it's you know whatever. But I'm not like all right. I guess we will go with that. And and you guys have probably seen improv. Most people aren't very good at improv. There are there is really really good improv and there's really really bad improv and there's really no in between. I would I will die on that hill. So it's not a bad thing. I'm not bad at I'm not great at improv. And I'm good at improv, like improv talk. You know what? I, I'm good on my feet. That's different than like playing the game of what these like these these places are, like, you know, the cage match or whatever. Most of that means nothing to you if you're not in Los Angeles, but there's like a game and a format you have to play with improv that these classes teach you. But I was good at the story. I was bad at the like I was the one in the group in the class that like they would turn, you know, they would give a suggestion and I and one person would step out and I would step out and the other person would go, oh, and there were a couple of them in this class. I, there were a few. I wonder where there are now, but like that were also not very good. And it was like that that other person knew I'm going to have to carry this scene because Kim's not good at this. But I was good at this story. So when we had our graduation, I'm sure I've told you this because I still ride this high. When we had our graduation, so once you you take a beginner uh, improv class, they they you you get to have a graduation at uh, the UC, UCB. Um, wait, what am I doing? Uh, UCB theater. Uh, ouch! I just elbowed my bookshelf. Uh, the UCB theater. You get to have a graduation uh, a uh, graduation show, and a bunch of people showed up. My friend, my my dear friend, the one who turned racist, Trump supporter. Maybe she was always racist and just kept it really quiet. I don't know. But she, she, she was a very different person at this time. She was lovely. That she like met a kind of racist guy and just sort of ran with it. But um, rest in peace, awesome Stacy. So she. Uh, She's not dead, but you know what I mean. So she came to that, brought, and at the end of it, she looked at me and she goes, you found your fucking calling. This is it. And years prior, I was like a, a comedian groupie. I found an open mic and I just hung out every chance I got. I never did comedy. I didn't think I was funny. I didn't think I could do it. And But she came up and she goes, you found your calling. And I'm like, I didn't say anything in the improv. Like literally all the sketches, I think I said five words, maybe. But at the beginning of each sketch, we ask for a suggestion and the audience gives a suggestion and then one of the members stands up and just in, like off the cuff tells a story about that suggestion. And I was really good at that. Like I crushed at that. And afterwards, not only did my friend come up and be like, you found your fucking calling, Jonathan from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It always comes back to Buffy, man. Uh, Jonathan from Buffy the Vampire Slayer came up to me, the actor, Danny Strong, who were friends on Facebook, I think, uh, came up to me and was just like, you're fucking hilarious. 
And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ah! Like, I, I don't even know what I said to him. I blacked out. I was so like, that's Jonathan Murphy. That's Danny Strong. He thinks I'm funny. Um, but that was like, so this guy, this actor was the, re- and then after that, I like looked into like, oh, I think I should be a comedian. I'm a, I'm a stand-up comedian. And so this guy and I, you're wondering what happened to him. Uh, we kept we kept a friendship for a long time. Like after we both left that phone room, we would get coffee uh, at this place that's near UCB actually, and we would get coffee there. I don't think it's there. I think COVID took it, which is a real bummer. I used to love that coffee place. Um, it's the bourgeois pig, and I didn't know what the bourge. I didn't know. I'd never seen the word bourgeois, and so I was so afraid to pronounce it. And I never thought I. I never thought of looking it up. That never crossed my mind. But I was like, I was terrified of saying it. And then someone said it once, and I was like, "That's what that word is. That's bourgeois." Wow, never saw it. It's, I was way too late in life to not know. I not had seen that word. Um, but I. Uh, Oh, I think I found the the uh, the title of this. Maybe whatever. So uh, I I um, he and I would get coffee a lot, and I told you guys this story years and years ago. I found a lump on my breast, and besides the fact that I love Planned Parenthood, uh, women's choices, the you know, I mean, healthcare, all that. Besides the you know the normal reasons to love Planned Parenthood, I love Planned Parenthood because I was uninsured at the time, and they helped me get not it wasn't free but helped me get cancer a cancer screening in a nice place for like two hundred dollars right they like helped me find out if I had cancer or not and like a lot like you know I mean went to Planned Parenthood she felt it and she goes yep that's a lump we gotta get that checked out immediately thank god she lives it's a benign uh, it's benign uh lump I think it's gone now actually I look for it I looked for it recently and it's not there so I don't I don't know if it if it's gone or if my boobs got bigger um I none of that is medically accurate but it was benign and I love Planned Parenthood but it was a really really scary time uh you know I I I hadn't obviously didn't have a relationship with my mother and I had cut out my father so I had no family and I was facing this thing and it was when I realized all the wonderful people in my life and even though a lot of them have come and gone and uh but I I've consistently had pretty solid humans love me in my adult life which I am really grateful for even even if we go our separate ways you know I, I I will go back to what my friend said a few weeks ago if I loved you if I've ever loved you I will always love you I may not want you anywhere near me but I because we we don't align anymore but I will always love you and that and I'm that that was my best friend the universal guy um I went to universal with his family a couple weeks ago that's how I'm referring to him now I'm sure he loves that uh I called him immediately after I found out I didn't have the cancer. And, I, and he was like, oh, my God, I, I was about to look in. He's like, I was looking into marrying you so I could put you on my health insurance if you had cancer. Like, I just have always consistent. And that guy's been my best friend for 25 years. He's my brother, right? But and so it was really scary. And I went to get coffee uh, with, you know, the actor. We'll call him the actor. I went to get coffee with him. And, you know, at this point, I'm like... I'm probably I'm like probably 25 um yeah I was probably 26 27 I was later 20s so he was probably later 40s and we went to get coffee and we're sitting in this little back room of the bourgeois pig the bourgeois pig uh and I uh I think it's gonna be the bourgeois comedian that sounds fun right um even though it's not accurate at all, but it seems like a fun title. That's one of my favorite things about Crawl Space is coming up with the titles. And sometimes when there's higher listens and lower listens, I'm like, I should have went with the other title. Uh, it probably has nothing to do with it. People probably just listen as they can. Um, but so we're back there and I'm telling him this story. And I'm, you know, it was scary. It was very fucking scary. And it was not sexual at all by any stretch. No, if you are listening to this and thinking about my tits while I'm telling you the story, like, do not pass go, go to a therapist, you know, like he, so I'm telling him and I'm like, oh, and it's benign. And I'm, you know, I have tears in my eyes because I'm so grateful. I don't have fucking cancer. And he goes, how did you find the lump? And I go, what? And he goes, well, how did you find it? And it wasn't like, do you do self-screenings? That's really responsible for you. It was creepy. And it was the first time this guy had been creepy towards me, which now I look back and I'm like, who knows? Maybe the whole thing was creepy. And I was just unaware because I had a creepy dad. So it just kind of seemed normal that I was around that. And that probably is more likely 
more likely what was going on that at the time I was so desanitized, you know, like just so numb to creepy older men that I was like, well, aren't you all like that? You know? And so at this, at this particular moment I had found Al-Anon and I had found, you know, my father wasn't in my life anymore. I, I, you know, I had a, a smaller creepy man BS tolerance. And so he asked like, how did you find it? And he, and I was like, what? And he said it so creepily. And he goes, do you just like sit around and just rub your tits and like manipulate them? And I was like, like my blood ran, I felt so, I like even thinking about it now, I felt so fucking betrayed because this man was like a brother to me. This man was like a, you know, and and I went, oh my God, what are you, what are you doing? Like I, I had boundaries. I had learned, started to learn boundaries. You know, I cut my old father out. So like, I was like, oh my God. And I called him out and I was like, don't, what the fuck? I don't even know what I said, but I was like, don't do that. And it goes back to, you can't set boundaries with an unhealthy person. And I will stand by that. I will die on that hill. You cannot. Cause I basically was like, don't talk about my potential breast cancer in a sexual way. What the motherfucker, what, you know? And, and he went, Oh, fine fine all right and got like visibly mad and then I just was like in my head I'm like all right we'll just move on and I'll keep telling him about how I don't have cancer because in my head he was like heard and then let's move on and as I'm telling him how I don't have cancer he goes you know what I'm gonna stop you uh you just kind of fucked up the whole coffee thing today this whole energy this whole vibe that you brought to it I just I, I don't feel good about it I'm gonna leave and I was like I, I it was probably one of the first times in my life that I didn't beg a man to stay you know even though it wasn't sexual or uh, attraction or anything I just said okay and I literally never saw him again and every now and then like we have mutual friends and they'll say yeah we he came to my our St. Patrick's Day party and you know same thing got real fucked up and drove home and like it's very sad and you know now I'm 40 so that means that man's like pushing like in 60s and and I'm grateful for him popping in my life because I did learn some really solid lessons and I did learn, you know, I had some like milestones of, you know, setting a boundary with a, a man that, you know, was like my father and not needing him to stay when he walked away. But that was like, gosh, gosh, golly, golly, that was like 15 years ago. Um, but that is the first act like Los Angeles person that told me I was funny and that I should pursue it. And even though it didn't end in the best of ways, I will forever be grateful for that friendship because I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe comedy would have found me eventually. I was drawn to it when I moved to Los Angeles and maybe, you know, I dated that comedian who I, I didn't date him, but I lost my virginity to him. I wouldn't say date. Date's a loose word, but years later I was told that that was what it was basically called. Uh, I told him at one point before this whole actor thing, I told him I wanted to be a comedian. And he said, no, don't do that. Don't ruin your life. And basically like shut it down. And so I didn't do it for a few more years. You know, I, it, you know, I didn't, again, I didn't hear the actor telling me I was funny for years. And then eventually I was like, I'm going to take this class. And it's wild. Like being a human is fucking wild I know I see that all the time but like what that story has so many ups and downs and so many like creep factors and so many like oh I wouldn't be doing that now thank god for growth but also like so much like I'm grateful that friendship came in my life and who knows I I think I think comedy picked me so I don't think I would have had an option it would have found me anyway but man and I and I hope you know I hope that Guy's kid is doing well. I looked him up on IMDb. It doesn't look like he's worked in about a decade. So I hope, uh, you know, I think IMDb updates it when you die. I don't know if they do that for non-famous people. I have no idea. But um, I, because I think, you know, if you know, if you look up IMDb, people on IMDb, I don't know if not, a lot of non-actors know this. If there's no picture, that means they don't pay the yearly subscription. And, and if you like, I've paid it and not paid it. My, my agents now want me to pay it. So I, I have a IMDb presence. I don't do much with it, but finally got my age off of there. That was a whole thing. But, uh, and I'm not unproud of my age. It's just, you know, Hollywood. Um, but I think like he could have just can't, but he's still paying it cause there's still pictures. So I don't know, but it, it's funny. I, I hope he found his way. I hope he's happy somewhere, even though, you know, it was, terrible ending but I'm grateful for him and all the lessons uh 
yeah, I don't know what made me think about that the other day. I wrote them down, but here we are. And, you know, that's my one lucky broad. Um, those kinds of experience is in my life. I was devastated when he walked out of that coffee shop. I thought that guy was going to be one of my dearest friends for life. And, you know, life had other plans. And I was really sad, but it was one of those things that I knew I couldn't ask him to come back. You know, it was one of those things that it was like, like almost like Jimmy the Dragon. I was sad when it was over, but it was just like, no, I'm fine. I'm better. This is better. I'm sad, but it's better without that energy in my life. But I'm grateful for the like, but Jimmy, you know, also pushed me to hit a rock bottom and changed me forever. So I, I'm one lucky broad that I know we all go through those types of experiences, but I don't know if everyone necessarily looks back and is like, I'm happy that happened because I wouldn't have gotten here. I think a lot of people do, but not everyone. And I'm one lucky broad that I have that. I do that because, well, I don't think I would have survived most of the things I've been through in my life if I didn't have that. So I'm grateful. Are you guys ready for your poop scoop? Um, poop scoop booty. I don't know if I told you that's what I sing in my head. Or maybe I've been singing it out loud and I keep forgetting. This is someone, so someone sent it to me and I'm so excited. And this is one of my, one of my favorite listeners. You're all my favorite listeners. I don't know why I would sing, but I love this guy. I, and it, it looks like it's anonymous. So once again, if you send me your poop scoops, which I don't think you understand how much literal joy this gives me when you send me your poop scoops. Like right now, I'm so excited. So I will keep it, I will keep it anonymous if you want it to be anonymous. So please send them to me at kimcrawlspace at gmail.com. K-Y-M-K-R-A-L at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. Uh, and again, I read them in real time and I sometimes am not a great out loud reader. I don't think anybody is, but whatever. Okay. Do you like my preparation? Okay. So yesterday I had this really bad stomach flu come on. I felt dizzy and didn't want to eat or drink anything just in case it came straight out. <laughs> I get through the day okay until an evening meeting where someone put a cup of tea in front of me. Being English and an addict, I couldn't help myself. Half an hour later, the caffeine had my stomach in knots. Oh no. Knowing I was in danger, I said my goodbyes and made, made for home. I was gassy but couldn't trust myself not to inadvertently follow through. That's a shart. That's amazing. Um, you, and you all are such good writers. Every week I'm like, this is so, this is so well written. Uh, on the way, everything was against me. Heavy rain, red lights, ambulances, and even a road closure. That's always happens. If you're going to shit your pants, you'll hit every red light and everything will go wrong. It's like the universe needs more people to shit their pants so it can unite us. Um, <laughs> I get through the door thinking I'm safe. Then I hear a thump as my two-year-old son has managed to roll out of bed. I get upstairs to pick him up and soothe him, all the while holding on for dear life, trying not to shit myself. That's a good dad. That's a good dad. You're like, I gotta help my kid. I mean, that's a, that, like, I, I, I had, why I didn't have great parents, so I guess the bar is in hell, but like, that's a, he's like, I, I, I'm willing to shit my pants just to soothe my kid. I held on and just about got away with it. Boxers and dignity saved. I got, oh, I held on and just about got away with it. Boxers and dignity saved. The kicker, though, the next morning, I noticed my son had done such a big poop in the night that his nappy had leaked and left a stain on the sheet. Not that I'm trying to shame my two-year-old. <laughs> You should shame that two-year-old. I'm just kidding. I don't think anybody should be shamed for shitting their pants. It happens. Oh, thank you. That was so good. And that's the thing. Poop scoops can also be close calls or embarrassing poop stories. I watched this TikTok the, uh, last night right before, uh, right after I took that edible. I thought I was going to die. I was laughing so hard. This girl was like, I was on the toilet. I got to find it. I'll link it somewhere. She goes, I'm on the toilet. I like these. So these are examples of poop scoops too. It doesn't have to be a poop pants. It could be a near miss or an embarrassing. So this woman's on the toilet and uh, at like a department store or something. And someone comes in and sits down next to her. And after a few minutes, the person goes, uh, what are you doing? And she goes, uh, taking a shit. What else would I be doing? And the woman's like, uh, how long is it going to be? 
And she goes, I don't know, you know, honestly. And she goes into detail about her shit. She goes, I just keep, I sh- it just keeps coming out and I'm not really sure what to do. Honestly, I keep wiping and the, the toilet paper, it's like, there's no white in sight. Like she goes into fucking detail. And then the person in the stall next goes, hey, I got to call you back. The person in the stall next to me thinks I'm talking to them. <laughs> how do you, how do you come back from that? I, you know, I, I hope she walked right out and looked that woman in the eye and said, I said what I said. Because I think... I honestly think because I I love this so much, but I I, I don't think it. I I think there should be no shame in this. I mean, if you're like purposely shitting your pants, you know, maybe maybe a little shame there. But like, we're humans. Okay, that's the episode. Thank you for sending that poop scoop. I adore you. Thank you so much. And please send me your poop scoop. Send me anything. Um, I'm sitting down to reply to emails today. I hope that is the goal. Uh, usually when I have this good of a morning and I'm pretty hamped up, I get real tired around six o'clock, but I have an order I have to pick up in my car, um, that, uh, will have to keep me awake until seven. That's a weird minute information. I didn't need to tell you minute. That's a word. Uh, all right, everybody. I love you. I love you. I hope everyone is, uh, uh, you know, having a good week. Um, this will be up on Patreon a day late. I'm so sorry. Um, I, I was very tired yesterday after the whole car fiasco. I just slept. I slept for like 12 hours. I think my body just needed it because of all the stress. But um, the goal for Patreon is to get it out every Thursday for next week's early access. And if you're a Patreon subscriber first, thank you. And uh, if you want to be a Patreon subscriber, uh, you get a couple bonus episodes with me and Jeff May and then you also get a bonus episode which will be out I believe tomorrow with Maggie Mayfield we're trying to do it mid-month but she and I you know same with Jeff we uh our schedules are thankfully really busy so we play schedules gymnastics once a month and then we get it done but it should be out by tomorrow so you'll get two bonus episodes uh, early access and some other fun stuff so and I appreciate the support I love it I love it and if you're not able to I totally get it the world is on fire and I love that you're here every week anyway so thank you thank you Uh, I'll talk to you guys next week be kind be safe bye I don't care